Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hello, Bridget. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I had someone ask me earlier this week when they found out that I had a podcast because I don't like advertise it at work. And they were like, do you have a podcast voice? And I told them the story of like an earlier episode where I like think I did it. And I, I think I just did it again. Anyway. You did. You I totally was like, did Hello. the timing. And the- that is my <laughs> podcast voice. This is how I'm going to talk. Anyway, not really. Yeah. I need to like not do that at work. Like, <laughs> Can you imagine like entering a Zoom meeting and being like, hello, this is the Zoom meeting. This- Today we're going to discuss. <laughs> Welcome to the Zoom meeting. No, but I do find myself being like when I'm talking to people or leading meetings, like, so let's pull on that thread a little bit more. Like, let's go back. Totally. Let's let's put a pin in this. <laughs> They're probably like, what is wrong with you? But no, Whatever. I think they're probably like, that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah wait, let's let's go back. Let, let's put a pin yeah, in Yeah, let's not let's lose go that. Back. Let's make What's sure. What's your origin yeah. story for this product? So tell me <laughs> when you first started running. Oh, wait, no, wrong thing. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. You were just telling me about an experience that you had where... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, tell, tell our listeners about your um, yeah. unfortunate pain experience and what happened to Yeah. So I finished a long run. Everything felt fine. It was good, easy, easy two hours. And then sitting outside with with Adam on our back steps. And I just had like 30 seconds worth of like very intense shooting pain in my left hip. And I was telling Mimi, it was like the kind of pain where it like takes your breath away and you're kind of almost can't breathe. And you're, I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, if, like if this gets any worse, I'm, I think I'm going to pass out. Mm. Um, but it faded, it, it came on so quickly and then it faded so quickly. And then I felt like I was just kind of paralyzed by like what just happened. So I just kind of stood there for like five minutes and then I was fine the rest of the day, like fine on the run, 30 seconds of like my body just absolutely freaking out and now I'm fine again so I don't know what to make of that but uh Mimi was joking that it was pain it was injury leaving my body that's my theory I'm gonna I'm gonna run with you get like sharp pain (laughs) and it's just like an exorcism from your body (laughs) I love it yeah I love it but um yeah aside from that everything's good and uh, I guess if it flares up anymore then I'm gonna have to talk to Matt but otherwise, I've been loving the Ever Athlete programs, and I really do think that they're helping me so much. I have found so many like interesting areas of instability and weakness, um, and it's been fun to just address them with with different types of routines. And I don't have any equipment at my house. I have like a resistance band and a foam roller, and I find that I can like always do do the 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 videos, which is just, which is just great. I was talking to, um, to some runners last night actually, and, uh, they are both, they're both testing out the program, um, this month. And so I'm really excited to, to hear from them and hear how their experience is. Cause they're kind of of that mindset of like, I don't do this. I know I should, as I get older, I need to do mm-hmm. this. And I was like, do this program. It's so awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's so good. Um, and you can do it too if you go to everathlete.tv and use um, our code for 50% off, which is amazing. Um, it's ROTB50. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just dropped like, you know, a casual, easy two hour long run. Like, <laughs> I love how chill we are about it, but like, that stuff's not casual. There's nothing casual or easy about it. Like, 
I think I find it so funny when people post on Instagram, like easy 10 miles. And it's like, what are you trying to prove? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. I will say like, I just need to give a, sh- a, a big shout out to Bridget, who is just the absolute best. Um, yesterday, I was doing a casual long run, except I felt like death. I was like <laughs> a mile from home and Bridget and I were texting and I was like, I hadn't responded. And I was like, sorry, I'm finishing up a long run. It's going terribly. <laughs> she without fail texts back. Oh, no, keep showing up. We've are um, we've had we've all had those runs. You're awesome. Even when you don't feel like it. And I just was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed to get through my last mile. So even if a run is casual or chill or whatever, like they can still suck. And the important yeah. thing is like, you keep showing up and you keep getting after it and like have good friends that will encourage you. So thank you, Bridget, because I know you were going through stuff yesterday with your sweet little pup and like you needed encouragement, but yet you gave it to me. And I just want to say how grateful I am for that. That's awesome. When you texted that to me, it just, it actually reminded me of like how there are like such highs and lows of running because earlier in the week you had shared on your Instagram like this amazing workout where you were like you know the puzzle pieces came together and I think you were doing half mile repeats or something Mm -hmm. and you were just like flying and so it's like you know you go earlier in the week you're having a great workout and then it's like you go to the long run your body's just like meh not I'm not gonna I mean we can do this but I'm not gonna make it easy for you and you know I think hearing those stories from you hearing those stories from our podcast guests like it just it's such a good reminder of like it's never linear it's never linear and also like (laughs) yeah. yeah I think too like for a couple of weeks I had some good workouts, but like, yeah, I was able to like have pretty good long runs or runs the day after, which like, I'm not saying you should be gassed from a workout and like not be able to run well the next day. But I think there's something to be said about like, oh my gosh, I gave it my all Mm. in the workout. And so like, you should feel maybe like trash the next day. And maybe if your long run is the day after that, you're not quite recovered yet. And like, that's okay. That just means your body is adapting to a higher level of stress, you know? So totally. Yeah. So it's all good. I got home. I did my new favorite thing, which is to use the Elevate Recovery from Beam. It's the lemon, um, sort of the, the hydrogen and collagen mix. And it is so good. It's lemon flavored. It's in an orange package it's confusing. I see orange <laughs> packaging and I'm like, this should be orange flavored, yeah. but it is a delightful, fresh, rejuvenating lemon. And I love it. So, you know, make sure you go to beamtlc.com, use our discount code ROTB for 15% off, get that lemon in an orange package and be confused like I am, but love it anyway. Um, it's so good. So keep doing that. Keep showing up. Even if you feel like trash, yeah, just share it on our Instagram. We'll we'll send you a loving uh, yeah, message just back. Just DM us, and we will like <laughs> yeah, right. tell you how wonderful you are. Chances are, we're checking our uh, the gram at that moment, so we'll be there. There for is a hundred percent chance. I am like, <laughs> unless my phone is on like do not disturb mode, or for some reasons I don't always feel it when I'm running, but like I stop enough and pull it out. I'll check it. I'll get yeah. back to you. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) 
Um, we had a great guest this week. Um, Lizzie Roundtree was on the show. Lizzie is an Impala. Um, we've had some of her teammates on the on the podcast, so it was such a treat to finally get to catch up with Lizzie. And we really need to catch up with her because she is like just doing a million things. She's going out and running and winning 50Ks. She's competing um, at, you know, Trials of Miles in Austin. Uh, she's a product designer. She's just like going on vacation, doing cool shit. So, you know, having the opportunity to talk to Lizzie was so fun. Yeah, she's, you know, she's one of those people that's a great Instagram follow, a great Strava follow. Um, I really loved hearing about her origin story with running. She has a very uh, non-traditional way that she found running um, and talks very openly about kind of not loving sports in high school, not feeling like that was her jam, uh, smoking cigarettes in college and, you know, definitely not not living the athlete life and then how it kind of found her Mm -hmm. and then the love of that you know she was clearly talented and um and it was a reciprocal thing that I think she just obviously has found a great a great passion for and has car you know come and carved out a big part of her identity is now being a runner um and being an Impala too Mm -hmm. the, the power of kind of that sisterhood and having teammates and showing up for one another like those those things really stood out to me in this conversation and her I'm really excited I want to get her um granola recipe oh yeah (laughs) She gives some tips in the podcast. Yeah. So just yeah, some really good know, tips. You gotta you gotta hang on till the end. So make sure you yeah. listen all the way through. <laughs> um, but yeah, Lizzie is just super cool. Want to be best friends with her, basically. Um, yeah, so we loved this episode, and we think you will too. So enjoy this episode with Lizzie Roundtree. <laughs> Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today, uh, we're so lucky to have Lizzie Roundtree on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Lizzie. Thank you. So let's let's kick off with you um, ran an exciting race a few weeks ago. You ran that Texas qualifier in Austin. Looks like it was a, a humid weekend after some crazy weather, <laughs> some crazy storms there. Yeah. Um, what was that like? That was really fun. I mean, it was not the best race of my life, but like the whole weekend was fantastic. Um, my parents live in Austin. Uh, they moved there during the pandemic. And so it was great to go and stay with them and they have baby goats. So I just got to like play with baby goats all weekend. And one of my, uh, teammates, Holly, who you've actually had on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, she was my race and travel buddy. And so she got to stay with us and it was fun. It was just wild how like it had been ice storms and zero degrees for multiple days straight, like one week before. And then it was hot and I mean, hot for, you know, I've become kind of a, I've a wimp with weather living in San Francisco for so long. At any time, the temperature is not between 55 and 65 degrees. I'm like dying. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty rough race weather. I'm not going to lie. It felt not great. How did you hear about that race? I heard about it. Um, one of my friends, her name's Jenny Grimshaw. She yeah. uh, is very active and just knows what's going on in the running and racing world. 
And so she told me that it was happening and she was like, you, and I had seen, I think I had seen something on Instagram and then she was like, you should totally go for it. You should see if you can do it. And this was less than a month before the race. And I was like, that's crazy. (laughs) I can't, that's way too soon. Like I just did a 50 K and this is not this. I don't know if this is a good idea slash. I don't know if they would even let me. But then, you know, I started thinking about it and then I looked up the plane tickets and then I emailed and was like, do you have any spots left? And it was like, everything just seemed to fall into place. It was like, my parents were like, well, make it really easy for you. And the plane tickets were like insanely cheap. And they were, and the race people said, we've got a spot for you. So I was like, okay, well, here we go. And... I'm super glad I went. It was it was a great experience and got some awesome photos out of it, if nothing else. No PRs, but some really, really great photos. Did you have yeah. any goals going into the race? Um, I think my, honestly, my goals were mostly mental. Like I just wanted to feel, um, I wanted to not feel terrified at the starting line because it was my first you know, real super competitive race in a year since um, the Olympic trials. It was actually like almost exactly one year later. And so I was like weeks before I was just feeling super nervous. And I know that the more often I race, the less nervous I get. But when I haven't raced in a really long time, I'm, I tend to just get into a little ball of, of stress. And so I, my goal was to just like, have fun. And every time I started to freak out, just tell myself like, you're doing this for fun. Mm -hmm. And this it's like, nobody really cares except for, for you. Like this is, this is fun and this is for you. And I was actually, I think I really accomplished that goal. Like at the starting line, I was not, I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. I didn't feel nauseous during the race, which normally happens when I'm really, really nervous. Um, so that was, that was honestly my goal. I did have a time goal that I like didn't get. <laughs> my time goal was to PR, which was honestly a really ambitious thing. Having like just done a 50 K and not having very much speed training under my belt. I really wanted to do like under 1645, which is my 5k PR. And that did not happen. Humidity. Okay. I mean, yeah, the human, I always, I always, underestimate the humidity I have I did that in Boston one year and paid the price for not uh, adjusting my my goals for humidity I'm a total wimp with humidity I feel like it is um, what do they say it's like poor man's altitude it is brutal that's what people kept saying and I'm like thank you that makes me feel a lot better because it really (laughs) honestly felt like I was like running through molasses yeah Yeah. I don't I mean this is probably incorrect but like did anyone that entire weekend PR? Like, it seemed like it was brutal for everyone. So, um, like, all it seems like all sorts of goals had to be adjusted and, like, just using it as good race experience. I think that the only people who had good races were those whose races were at, like, 8 or 9 p.m., mm. like, really late at night when it the weather started to get a little bit more tolerable. But um, in the earlier races, everybody was just like 
walking around looking like they had just been like punched in the stomach. Like everybody was like <laughs> head hung low. Yeah. <laughs> sad. And I was, and we were like commiserating with each other in the bleachers. Like, wow, that was terrible. And all just being like, that's me. Thank you. <laughs> I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and although I did run a little bit faster than some, like when I looked at the heat list, I like, you know, stalked everybody and was like, I'm going to be last. <laughs> and I was not. So yeah, I, um, it wasn't a complete trash race, but it was like the kind of race where you just feel like trash. And so you walk away from it, not looking back on it with, with the most fond of memories. But, um, yeah, I think that it was like not very many people had great races, but the races that were that did go really well were really cool to see. Yeah, what was that like? Did you hang around and watch? I mean, because it was like everyone was there. It was a huge mm-hmm. weekend. So like mm-hmm. as a fan, was it cool spectating and seeing people? Yeah, I actually I was glad I did get to spectate because I thought that they were going to like banish us immediately and be like, your race is over, get out because mm. we it wanted to be safe. But I did get to stay for like half an hour ish after the race. And, um, it was, I mean, I don't go to many track races in person and get to like see that level of elite runners. And so it was honestly really cool to watch the men doing like the 800, 1500 and you're just watching them. You're just like, oh, I just can't. I, I, it's unfathomable how fast you're going. And so that was really cool to see. Um, and then, uh, the women's elite races were, were also really neat to watch and just like, yeah, they're, they're humans that you, you see them running on Instagram and videos. And then when you see them in real life, you're like, oh, wow, that's real. It's not just like a sped, a sped up video. (laughs) Yeah. It is. It is amazing. We live near Stanford. So I think Mimi and I have both like seen this at the Stanford meets when those happened. They didn't happen at all last year. Um, but it's always just like, what? Like, it's it's crazy. And sometimes you're also like, you have to kind of look at the clock to be like, are they running that fast? And then you're like, oh, no, they're really running that fast because they make it look so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah when people cool. run that fast, I'm like, oh, it, sometimes it doesn't like look like they're going so fast actually but they are and I'm just like wow I run really slow comparatively <laughs> um yeah I went to when when the Prefontaine Classic was held at Stanford in 2019 I went and that it, that was just insane to watch it's like yeah it's like the people from Instagram jumping into real life and you're like oh you're a human and <laughs> even more athletic and like incredible in person um it's very humbling. Um, so like you mentioned that that was the first sort of race of that like caliber or level or level since the Olympic trials, like a year ago, over a year ago at this point. I mean, I realized the two are completely different, but like, how do they, how do those experiences compare? Well, there were some similarities in that I had to sort of face some imposter syndrome because, um, it was a very competitive field and I, do not come from a, I didn't run in school. Like I'm still pretty new to um, like a quote unquote elite level of competition. And so um, I've, I've had to reckon with feelings of like, I don't belong here. 
you know, these women are like, these are athletes and I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, uh, I went to art school and sometimes I have to like really tell myself, no, you belong here. You ran fast enough to get here. You are an athlete. Um, so that's a similarity. And I mean, you know, other than that, they couldn't really be more different in that the Olympic trials was just like, you know, it was, a, it just seemed like so many people, so many people just everywhere, you know, hugging and jumping into each other's arms and sweating all over each other. And, uh, and this was, was not, it was a, it was a muted experience, but other similarities are that um, I got to be with my teammates at both events. So my same uh, teammate, Holly, and I ran most of the Olympic trials race together. Uh, one of my other teammates, Marnie, was at the Texas qualifier and she was taking some really, really badass photos. And she got to like be just screaming her head off on this track the whole time. So it that honestly is makes races so much better when I have my Impala teammates with me. I've done a very small handful of races without them in the past five years. And I, they always are not that great or not very fun. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have friends. Like I've never been, um, I've never been on any school team. I've never been on any college team. I've only been on the Impalas. And so they're sort of like my comfort my comfort place. So we have to get into that. Like how, mm -hmm. how did you come around to running? Like, did you have any other sports that you played as a kid? Like, how does this, how does this happen? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it is super unexpected. Um, I grew up, I went, I lived in a town that where like soccer and lacrosse was just everything like social life and coolness completely revolved around how good you were at ball sports. And I was just absolutely terrible. I was miserable. I was so bad. My hand-eye coordination is not good at all. And I remember I played lacrosse from like kindergarten through eighth grade. And then when I got to high school, I got like cut from all the teams and there were girls who had absolutely never picked up a lacrosse stick before and they made it. And so <laughs> I lied and, and told people that I'd never played before, <laughs> even though I had been playing it for, for eight years. Um, I, I, was just, I was bad. I scored on my own goal in lacrosse and field hockey, which honestly I think is impressive. And uh, during real games, not during practice, and I guess, I mean, like, I don't think I was really playing midfield and they were like, yeah, you can run. I think they just rotated me between every single position because they were like, what can she do? <laughs> and the answer was not really anything. Um, and then I played like, or I ran for half of a semester in my sophomore year of high school. And then I got a massive stress fracture um, in the cross country season. And so I was basically just like, they just put me in an ice bucket, like in the ice bath. I don't think they knew what else to do with high schoolers at that time. Um, and so I didn't, I just remember feeling like, oh, this is very unpleasant. And then I think 
I enjoyed it for like a week or two and then I was broken <laughs> and I did not run for four years after that. Um, I decided to just dive into art. Like uh, that was what I excelled at in, in high school. It was not the cool thing. <laughs> I went to a very like preppy boarding school and it was the same sort of thing. It was like squash and lacrosse <laughs> and field hockey and water polo. And I was like, I'm going to hide in my little basement studio and paint. And then that led to me wanting to just like reject everything about, you know, the world that I'd come from. And I went to uh, Rhode Island school of design and I started smoking cigarettes and <laughs> I was like, just, you know, cut all, cut off all my hair and thought I was so cool. Um, and I just dove into design and I, I loved it, but I was not taking great care of myself. And, uh, then I lived like that for years. And then finally, I think it was my junior year of college. I befriended a girl on a like study abroad trip. We were in Costa Rica and her name is Elsa and she, uh, was a runner and it was, she was like the first runner I'd ever met at RISD. Um, there was very, very, very few people who did any physical activity. It was like people would like do a yoga class, but like take cigarette breaks in the middle. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was not, we were all there for a reason. We all like ended up there because we had, most people had similar, similar experiences to me. Um, and she found out on this trip that I was, that I had run before. And she was like, please, please, please go for a run with me. And I was like, hell no, I'm not going to run. I don't do that. And she just begged and she was like, it'll be fun. We can go really slow. We'll like stop for breaks. Like, and we were in a beautiful, beautiful place. And so I finally was like, all right, fine. I will run with you, but like, I'm not going to run with you every day. I'm just going to run like maybe once every few days and I'll see how I, how I feel. And so we ran, we started running together. We ran once and then a few days later we ran again. And then that slowly turned into like every other day. And I was starting to be like, oh, this isn't so bad. And, um, and then that turned into like almost every day. And it was, I, by, by the end of the trip, I was like, whoa, I'm really enjoying this. And we were going back to, we were flying back to Rhode Island and it was like the snowpocalypse year in New England of like 2014, tw uh, I think it was 2013, 2014. And I remember thinking to myself on the plane, I was like, I bet if I keep running when I get back to school, when I get back to Providence, like I won't stop. If I can get through this like really snowy winter, then like, who knows, maybe I'll I'll become a runner. And, uh, that's kind of like, it's all, <laughs> that's where it all started. And I started running just to de-stress because RISD was really intense, spend like all night in the studio and working really, really, really long hours. And so 
I just enjoyed running to just cool, like cool off from the intense intensity of school. And, and I started taking better care of myself. I st- stopped smoking cigarettes and I started sleeping, uh, consistently. And then I started, I like signed up for a 5k. And I remember I was wearing like my cotton, like urban outfitters leggings and like a cotton hoodie. And that was like completely unzipped. Like you see, you know, you see those people and you're like, what are they doing? Yep. Yep. That was me. And, um, and I was like, oh, I actually like, that was, I was pretty, pretty good, pretty fast. And it just sort of started snowballing from there. I signed up for my first half marathon and I came out to San Francisco and signed up for, I ran with SFRRC cause I was like, I, I need buddies. And, um, and I just started, I think running faster than I, than I ever expected that I could. And, um, I remember I signed up for my first marathon and I was like, I think that maybe I can qualify for Boston and like the people on SFRC were really supportive. But I remember one person was like, no one ever qualifies for Boston on their first marathon. It can't be done. And <laughs> it cannot be done. <laughs> yeah. So and I remember being like, I'm going to prove him wrong. Yeah. And I did, I ran like 322 and it, and I went to the bathroom twice. Wow. During wow. that, I had to go to the bathroom twice. <laughs> I went, yeah. Uh, that was not great, but I was like, I'm, I think that I'm, I think that I have some potential and yeah. So it was a, a it almost felt like fate. Like I just yeah. was meant to, to run and I always had it in me. It just like was dormant for a very long time. And then I sort of like activated something at some point and I love it. But I'm still an artist. I, st- I still am a designer, but I'm also a runner. I love that story. I mean, like as you're sort of telling us that, I, I think a lot about like when I'm and I'm nowhere near as fast as you. But, um, you know, when I'm out running, I sort of like compare myself as a runner and the athlete that I identify as now to like who I was in high school um, for better or for worse, because I feel like those times sort of shape you. And I, I played tennis in high school, so I had like some athletic ability, but, you know, not kind of at the level that I feel like I am as a runner now. And I, I always feel like there's sort of this weird, I don't know if it's like cognitive dissonance, like between the two, or I don't know, just like reflection of how our identities shift and like, and and maybe this is like, I shouldn't think about this, but I'm like, what would my high school classmates think about me now? Or what would my teachers think about me now? Like, would they be impressed? Would they be shocked? Like, I don't know. What does that look like? And uh, it's just, I remember having dinner actually with my brother the other week and he was like, yeah, if you would have told me like 10 years ago that you would be running marathons, I would have been like, who, who are we talking about? Like what? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know what my point is. It's just interesting to see like who we evolve into, into adulthood and like the, the other passions and talents that we uncover as we age. Like I, if you told me 
what I was going to be doing, um, as a, as an athlete, as a runner, you know, when I was a freshman at RISD and I was like smoking a half pack of cigarettes a day, I would be, or actually I think I would probably be more shocked as a high schooler when I was like, just, it's just so bad at all the different sports. <laughs> I would be like, what? I would be probably be really stoked. Be like, can I have that now? Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I also want to keep an open mind of like, I am, I, I, my identity is a lot of it has to do with running right now, but like, who knows what's going to be in another right. 10 years. Um, but I mean, I, uh, maybe I'll, something else will come up 10 years from now and I'll look back and be like, I couldn't have even imagined like when I was, you know, running, like just always my schedule is full of races and, um, and I was doing track workouts every week, like who knows what could come along. So I want to try and have an open mind, but I'm definitely really, really enjoying, um, my little world as, as a runner right now. Maybe that's like, that's the cool part about finding, like finding things, whether it's running or a work passion or a personal passion, like later in life, it kind of reminds you that like something can become really important and feel really obvious to you now. But that like, if you asked yourself five years ago, or even I feel like this year in particular, if you asked a lot of people like a year ago, if you thought that you'd be where you are today, you'd be like, mm, no, nah, what? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I think like, there's definitely a thread of this in at least your recent running, which is like you go from like running track to running a 50K. Like you're you are kind of embracing, it seems like all of running. Is that something mm -hmm. that kind of came about like in the pan during the pandemic or have you had you always kind of dabbled with like just different distances, trails, roads, track? The trails thing is definitely like a, a, a big pandemic related, uh, passion that I yeah. embraced. It was started kind of, I mean, training for the trials was just like so much road running and mm -hmm. like crazy road, like really hilly road workouts and really long tempos. And so I think after the trials, I was just already like goodbye roads. I'm, I can't. Um, and so maybe I would have been pursuing more trail stuff after the trials anyway, but we normally on my team, we have a really full racing schedule of like of road and track races um, that happen in the Bay area. And so when all of that was canceled um, and then in the beginning of the pandemic, when we were not allowed to run with anybody else, mm. cause like we all thought we were just going to like instantly kill each other. Um, we, uh, I just decided I was going to like run every trail in San Francisco that I could like access from my house without driving. Cause we also weren't driving to run. It was like, yeah. stay That's home, right. don't touch your car. Like don't drive to, um, don't drive to run. And so I started like exploring all the trails around Twin Peaks and, I was running on Mount Davidson and um, trying to find every little trail in Golden Gate Park. And it was so delightful. And then um, when we did start running together again, my friends and I, because we had no, no races on the weekends, just 
be like, what cool trails can we hit up this weekend? And then, uh, we decided that we were going to do this crazy, crazy trail run. I can't remember whose idea it was, but we were going to run from Yosemite to, uh, Mammoth, which is 35 miles, um, on the John Muir trail. And I, of course, just say yes to everything, which is like kind of an issue, but I said, yes. And, um, and so we, I was like, I'm going to train for this because I've never run more than a marathon ever. So this is a little bit scary. And so I started doing long trail runs in Marin. And then we did this, um, this long point to point run. And it was just awesome. Super, super, super fun. Beautiful, uh, props to my husband for, uh, caravanning us back and forth. And it was so great. And I was like, all right, let's do more. And we ran across the Grand Canyon uh, later that fall, which was truly, truly awesome. It was just the coolest, coolest thing. Um, so I think that build, doing like just these fun adventure runs made me feel like, okay, I can do a 50K. Um, and then Jenny, the race finder, she found this <laughs> 50K and it was like, you know, she was just selling it so hard. She was like, it's not like the elevation is like barely what you do on a normal long run in the Bay area. Like Moab is beautiful. You want to do this. And it was, it delivered. It was awesome. And after doing that, I'm like, yes, I would love to do more trail runs in the future. I'm not saying, I don't think I'm like fully, you know, transferring over to just be like, I'm going to, going to become a trail runner now and switch over my whole like running focus to trails. But, um, it's super fun. It's something I'm like definitely down to do, um, to do more of. What was that like, like that shift mentally from like, I've never run longer than a marathon to like, okay, like, (laughs) yeah, I can do this. I mean, obviously it's, like you're not running as fast, you're taking breaks, you're eating more. It's like very different, but, um, just sort of like getting past the 26.2 miles is a lot. And now we're going to add, you know, another 8k on top of that. Like, how does that sort of, how do you like reconcile that? Well, the big thing is you're, like your legs and your feet are just totally not being beaten up as much. I, and I remind myself of the fact that the recovery is just so much better. so much easier for mm-hmm. trail race. Like after a marathon, I'm like, I can't move for days. And after a long trail run, even after the 50 K I was like fine afterwards. Um, but I think that there's, I just feels like less pressure. It feels mm-hmm. like less intimidating. I'm not like studying the course and like watching YouTube video of like somebody with a GoPro in their car on the course. I'm not like freaking out about exactly um, like my exact, exact pace because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't know. And I think that just sort of accepting the fact that with a trail run, you just kind of have to hold everything more loosely just takes away the pressure and, um, and makes it feel just 
more enjoyable. And I didn't go into the fifth. And when I went into that 50 K it being my first trail race, my first race over a marathon, um, I was like, I just want to have fun. I don't want to, I don't have no planned pace. I just want to have fun and like figure out how to do the eating thing. Um, and, and I want to cross finish line being like, I would love to do another. I don't want to cross finish line having just killed myself and running way too fast and be like, that was miserable. I never want to do that again. Um, so yeah, it was just really fun. And I kind of worry that now that I have like won a race before that now I'm going to put more pressure on myself if I like for the next trail <laughs> race that I do enter. Um, but hopefully I can maintain that like lighthearted mm-hmm. like, attitude going into my next trail race. I like how you buried that you won just right, right there <laughs> like at the end. Yeah. So you, so at what point in the race you're having fun, a lot of your Impala teammates are there with you like at what point are you like I think I could win this and like do you kind of break off from the pack it was around mile 20 21 I was running with I start we started off in a in a big pack of girls and then we started to thin out a little bit and I was running with um one of my um one of my teammates Sophie who it was also her first trail race and she was also I I thought she was going to beat me, but she started having, um, she's such a strong trail runner and we both went into it being like, let's run together. Um, we're definitely like the same pace and it'll be much more fun if we run together, but she started having a little bit of stomach, um, issues. You never going into a race. You never know. It's like the stomach grim reaper just like picks Mm -hmm. people and at at random (laughs) and you never know like I it's usually me having um all kinds of GI issues during races but for some reason during this race my stomach felt great the whole time and I was I'm very happy about that because that normally does not happen um and so right around mile 21 she was like I think I need to like stop at this aid station and I was like okay I really don't I didn't stop at any aid stations and so once it was like that late in the race I was like I is it okay if I just keep going and she was like of course go and so at that point I was in the lead and I was there was like probably five to eight minutes between me and the next person and so I was alone and I would like occasionally look behind me and be like, whoa, all right. Unless something goes horribly wrong, like I'm, I think I could win. And then once I was getting to like mile 25, 26, I was like, yeah, I'm going to win. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) And then that, just knowing that I was like, you know, really then visualizing myself like crossing the finish line and it being like super, super awesome. And so that was like, like yeah. yeah all the like pop songs playing in my head of like this is great and even when I at mile 26 I fell and like totally like gashed my knee um and was just bleeding everywhere but I was like it's fine whatever we're having fun <laughs> and nobody saw me fall so I just like wiped off like just tried to keep wiping the blood off myself and was like just didn't happen whatever 
nobody saw it's fine and when I looked back at the photos later I was like had blood literally all over my leg (laughs) but um yeah it was it was still it was really cool experience it was really 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 fun it was in the desert so I did you get lost or get worried about getting lost at all I mean that is like my biggest thing in trail races of like I'm 100% gonna take a wrong turn (laughs) it was they actually did a really really good job of marking the course um but it was really hard to follow because it was not on trail it was Mm -hmm. like on uh slick rock which is basically just like concrete but not it's when you say slick rock it sounds like it's going to be slippery but it wasn't really slippery it was just like very uneven rocky terrain and they had they like painted the rock with little markers all along the course and there were like these teeny little flags and so if you were not looking extremely carefully you would get lost and lots of people did get lost and Mm -hmm. I did get turned around for like a minute or two. Um, and it was also especially stressful being in the lead because I had, I couldn't see anybody else. Like I was just, just like laser focused on exactly where the little flags and paint markings were, which I will say actually, I think made the whole race go by a lot faster because Normally in a long road race or yeah, in long races, I am just thinking about how many miles are ahead of me. I'm like, oh my God, I still have 20 more miles to go mm-hmm. or just, it always seems really long. Like until you're one mile from the finish, you're like, oh my God, I have so much more. <laughs> um, and so with this race, because it was so like, you had to just be focused on every single step, like don't fall, don't twist your ankle and don't get lost. And so I was not thinking at all about how much longer I had to go. And so by the time it was over, I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) that wasn't so bad. Sometimes those distractions are so helpful of like, I really need to be focused on the other things that I don't have space in my brain to worry about having X amount of miles left. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is hard when you're not following anyone. You're like, well, if anyone's following me and I get lost, like they're lost too. So there you go. Yeah. And I normally am very bad at orienteering. So I would have felt so bad when I got <laughs> made other people get lost. You, you mentioned earlier about like getting nervous before races and like, yeah, I mean, I think that's super relatable. I ran a 10K la- a time trial on Saturday and I just get so anxious the night before. I am like a ball of stress. And I don't even mm-hmm. know why. Because like, again, no one cares. It doesn't matter. It wasn't a real race. Like literally just doing this for fun. Um, a couple, like, were you, did you feel that same sort of sense of nerves before the 50K? Not really, because I went into it really being like, I just want to have fun. And I I didn't have a planned pace. It wasn't like, normally when I have a specific pace or a specific time that I'm going for, like I'm, I am hyper-focused on what that is and second guessing, like, can I do that? Mm -hmm. Even if I know that I can, I'm like, I, I, I just get intimidated of that number, whatever it is. 
And so um, going into this race, I did not have a time or anything planned in my head. It was just like, just finish and try to have a good time. So I was not, I wasn't really nervous going into Mm -hmm. it. When you have that, like, how do you sort of overcome that second guessing in a race? Um, Like when you're going for something big, like, I don't know, I I would imagine that probably happened before you qualified for the Olympic trials, like wondering, can I do this? And then in the race, you have to like convince yourself that like not only you can, but you will. I do a lot. So my different strategies are, um, I like to, when I'm going into a race, a big race that I've trained really hard for, and then I start tapering. I, and then that's when I really start freaking out. Um, and what I like to do going into a race is, um, thinking about the workouts that I did that went really well and where I walked away from that workout being like, hell yeah, I I can do this. Like this goal of mine that is seeming a little bit closer to me because I just like cross that off my list. Um, so I think about really good workouts that I did. Um, I spend a lot of time journaling actually. Mm -hmm. I write down like, um, just like positive affirmations to myself. And I really try and like, just get all my anxieties out, um, on paper and just like surrender them. And what else do I do? Good workouts, affirmations, pump up songs. Um, and just like have a little thing to focus on. Like for the Texas race, it was, um, you are just like, you're having fun and this is, this is for you. And so you're only really competing against yourself. And that helped me like take away the problem of comparing myself to everybody else. Um, and for the trials and for other marathons that I've done, um, where it's like, especially daunting. Um, one of my teammates, Teresa, she encourages us to really focus on like why we run and like, what does running give you where, what kind of joy do you draw from it? Or like, what are the, how does it serve you in life? Um, and so I just like to think about that. And it makes me realize like, this is just a gift and mm-hmm. I'm so happy and I, that I get to do it and I feel privileged that I'm healthy. And I, and so I try and just focus on the gratitude and that tends to make the, like the bad negative self thoughts die down a little bit. That's yeah. such a good answer. Those are very like concrete <laughs> specific things that I feel like people kind of know and like maybe you've tried a little bit but like I'm very impressed that you were able to like list them and that you have like applied them in these very specific ways do you have um so I got into journaling like two years ago and I've been doing actually the style of journaling that Lauren Fleshman does which is this like very specific style of writing where you do you use like poems as prompts and I was never into poetry and now I'm like obsessed with it um and it's more like kind of stream of consciousness writing um mm-hmm. you have like a way that you journal I'm just curious <laughs> um not really honestly my journaling can be very lazy sometimes like I just write bullet points of like here's how I'm feeling today bullet one bullet two bullet three 
or like, here are the things that I'm nervous about. One, two, three. Um, and so it's, it, and then sometimes it's like just stream of consciousness. Um, and it's also very inconsistent. It is, it tends to just happen, uh, around times of high stress or anticipation, et cetera. I don't journal every single day. I would like to, and I have gone through phases of life where I have, um, but I don't journal every day, but yeah, yeah. I sort of wish I had started a journal like exactly a year ago, like just to see how things changed over the pandemic. I mean, I guess it's not too late, but like, gosh, some of those entries (laughs) would have been um, interesting for sure. I do like doodle a lot and I like, you know, write notes for work and I do draw for work. And so I've like gone back and looked through the whole year and like at the beginning of the pandemic and my doodles are really funny. (laughs) And I tend to doodle like kind of like a subconscious like journaling where I draw out how I'm feeling and processing things. So, yeah. We started getting like really into puzzles like everyone else did in in the pandemic. And then we got a really hard one that we just never finished. And like, actually, right before we got on to record, I said to my fiance, I was like, I think I'm over this puzzle. Like we haven't worked on it in like eight months. And I was like, I think it's time to just put it in the box. And he goes, no, I'm not done with it yet. (laughs) Okay. And so now we have this goal to finish it before our wedding, which is in October. I'm like, not convinced that's going to happen. That's generous. That feels like a relic of the pandemic and sort of, yeah, looking back on like, on what, what, uh, what we did. So you, you mentioned you're an artist. Um, You went to RISD, you doodle, like was drawing your medium and how did you sort of translate that into your career? Um, Yeah, I have always been, uh, a very visual creative person ever since I was a little kid. And, um, I, when I started at RISD, like I, you just sort of, everybody takes the same design, uh, art and design classes, um, your freshman year. And I had absolutely no idea what I wore, what I really wanted to do with it. Um, I went through phases as a kid of like, I wanted to be a tattoo artist. And then I wanted to just be, like a painter. And then I went through a brief phase beginning of college where I was like, I think I'm going to go into textiles and do like fabric design. And then I found typography. I was like, Oh, this is really awesome. Never. I'm not, I'm terrible at everything three dimensional. I can't just can't do it. Um, and I, uh, typography was, a path into graphic design and I decided to major in graphic design and I just, it's really fun. And, um, I, whenever I paint, I tend to like, just absolutely destroy everything and like ruin, like all of my clothing, everything I own. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't be, maybe I shouldn't paint, um, for everyone's sake. And so, uh, And then also my parents were living in San Francisco and I really wanted to like get internships um, while I was home. And so when I was studying graphic design, all of the like companies that would hire um, like a very young intern were 
startups that were like, cool, we'll pay you nothing, but like you can <laughs> do what do whatever what you can. And so that led me uh, to pursue web design. And now I am a product designer at Square. So I design like user interfaces um, for the app and website. And yeah. So it's like a very techie, a very techie creative job, but I still get to be creative. And that's cool. That's so interesting. I'm like, I started a new job um, in January and for the first time, like seeing sort of what our product team does and like all of the design that goes into it. And people like you are so talented. I'm just in such awe. I'm like, I could never do that. It's, it's such a, an incredible thing, like to be able to, to do that and do that well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super cool. Like, do you, do you find that, I don't know, I like to think about sort of the intersection of our work and our running and how the two either complement each other or like keeping them totally separate. Like, you know, what does that look like for you? It's kind of interesting. You, you definitely don't find the designer runner combo very often because they really don't, um, (laughs) it have much of a like conversation with each other. Um, I think I, I don't know. I'm a very visual person. And so being outdoors and like just seeing nature and it gives me a lot of, I think, creative energy to just like do my job. I don't think I would be able to um, have a like productive day if I don't at least get to go outside for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, I think that it's just, it, they, they complement each other well in that there's a balance because if I, if I didn't run, um, I would just be staring at my computer, uh, for my whole life. And I do get a lot of like fatigue from looking at the screen. And so running just helps me not look at my screen and and enjoy nature. But in terms of like the actual creative aspect, yeah, there, I think there's a reason why you don't see tons of like designers and artists that are also runners. Um, but I do know others and, we get to, you know, one of my uh, closest running teammates, Camille, she's also a product designer. And so we get to like talk about design on our runs together and bounce ideas off one another. But, um, but yeah. I think it's like super interesting. We've like interviewed a, a bunch of people that I would consider artists, whether that's musicians, writers, designers, and it's like, photo- I mean, photographers, like, especially in the Bay Area, I think there's so much like, depth of talent and and richness and like creativity it's like it's incredible this community of artists who are also runners it's um it's so beautiful like mm-hmm. so so maybe it's like it's not pervasive but i think that like it exists and you also find like maybe you know a bay area runner isn't an artist but they're also doing something else like really well and passionately and it's such a a cool um, group of people. Yeah. Like on my team, the caliber of women in their like professional lives aside from their running is, is really cool because 
I mean, San Francisco is a, it's a competitive city to, to live in. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of women who are doctors and they're lawyers and they're engineers and they're doing some like really cool stuff. And on top of like having kids and crushing races. So, yeah. And um, yeah, I think that I will say, I, I think there's a drive in a similar drive in both my running and my work where I'm like, I'm pushing myself to, you know, accomplish goals. And oftentimes like the goals are totally aligned with just wanting to get to the next level and like, I don't know, deliver something that I'm really proud of. So, yeah. Does it feel like there's a difference between like the friendships that you have with your teammates, people that you run with regularly and like other types of friendships, friendships that you Mm -hmm. have that are more founded in like colleagues at work or creativity, like artist friends um, or even friends from, from growing up? Like does, does it feel like there's fundamentally something different about runner friendships? Um, I would say yes, in some, in some ways and no, in other ways. I mean, with running, like you have that big thing in common and especially in a phase where like, it is really important in my life. Um, it is really wonderful to be able to share that with people who are in a similar place and we just spend so much time together. It's crazy how, like with the people you run with a lot you just spend so much time talking and you really open up to one another. Um, and and you also have like, you have something really big in common, but then other than running, you oftentimes don't have all that much in common. And so it's really fun to get to, um, learn about their career. That's super different from yours. Like they're in healthcare or like they're, you know, doing something completely different. Um, but you get to talk about running and all you just get to talk about running all the time. I'm always after like hanging out with my runner friends for a while with my husband, I have to like, afterwards, I'm like, I'm sorry. I know that was a lot. Like we literally just talked about running for three hours straight and he's just like sitting there like, okay, we can talk about this. Um, he's a very, very good sport. And with, but then when I'm with my non-runner friends, often I just don't want to talk about running at all because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sick of talking about running. And then we can like totally switch gears. And, and I like that they, they tend to, they'll just be like, how's running going? And then I'll say something and they're like, that's great. And then we'll just move on and, and talk about stuff that's completely different. And we get to share a connection that's not over running. And I think it's great to have balance of like, I'm, I'm glad that my life is, I am not only friends with runners. Mm-hmm. How did you find the Impalas and like what attracted you to joining that group? Um, so I was on SFRRC, the San Francisco Roadrunners Club, and I was running with them. And because I was decided I was going to train for CIM and I wanted to do workouts and I just wanted people to train with. And so they would do their track workouts, um, on Tuesday nights at Kizar, which is the same night that Impala's would do their track workouts. And so I would see them and I was like, Oh my God, they're so fast. They're so cool. Like I want to be an Impala one day. And, um, 
then I started running. Um, I joined a group of runners that a coworker introduced me to that would run um, on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. in Golden Gate Park. And uh, they would meet the same tree. And it was called Tempo Crew. And I uh, decided to show up and so early. Um, but I was like, this is what's going to get me faster. And mm-hmm. there were, um, and it was just people from all different like walks of life running together, but they're all fast and a lot of mostly actually masters men. And there were, there were two, um, Impalas who would come to uh, tempo crew, but they were like way faster than me. And I was very intimidated of them. Um, but I kept going and there was one, um, there's one guy on the team or on the, not the team. We are kind of a team, but in the tempo crew who, um, his name is Bill. And he really encouraged me. was like, I think that you can be fast enough to, to go for the Impalas. And I was skeptical, but he was very determined to like encourage me to do it. And so he like, paced me in my very first 10 K cause I needed a 10 K time to like put on the application. And, um, I kept running with the group and I got faster and, and I didn't, the other Impalas who were, who showed up, like I didn't even tell them because I was too scared. I was just like, <laughs> um, and so it turns out that they thought that I didn't want to be on the Impalas because mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it. They thought I was like too cool. But I was like, no, I wasn't. I was just scared and um and so Bill definitely played a big role in getting helping me get onto the Impalas um and yeah it was like I just heard about it through just getting to see and meet a few of the women and then when I joined the team that was 2016 um and it basically like changed my running life because I found that I really enjoyed the competition. Um, and also I, when I went to college, like there were, I was, there were no sororities. There was barely any extra extracurriculars. I like didn't have a lot of girlfriends in, in high school. I moved around a lot when I was a kid growing up. And so, um, getting to experience this like really tight knit community of women was like, completely new to me. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this. And I had never had anything like that before in my life. So I just like really, really, really embraced, um, this, what feels kind of like a sorority, but like minus all the bad Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, (laughs) just perfect. Just (laughs) badass women hanging out together and running. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. I mean, so like, you know, not to gloss over the journey to the Olympic trials um, in 2020, which feels like a million years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we had Holly on, she talked a lot about like how it was it, it felt like such a supportive environment for like everyone wanting to to make it to that line in Atlanta. Like when did that start to feel like a possibility? Um, and like what was what was that journey like? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I ran, um, the New York city marathon in 2017 and I ran a 255, and I was like, 
that was right after that, I was like, okay, there's a slight possibility that I could make this a thing. Um, I could just like, I started to entertain the idea. And then the next year in 2018, um, there started to be like a group of women that had around similar PRs and were like, I think, I think that you can, we can do this. And then my coach, uh, the Impala coach, Tony emailed a group of women. He was like, you're, I'm very confident that, that you have a very high chance of, um, qualifying for the trials. And so at first it was like, wow, this is pretty, pretty terrifying. Um, I would have to PR by 10 minutes, which seems like a lot when you start getting your times down low enough. It's like, I don't know if I can go any faster mm-hmm. than that. Um, and also the pace of just looking at the qualifier pace on paper, you're just like, barf. I mean, even now I look at it and I'm like, no, that's that terrible. I don't know how I did that. Um, but once there were enough of my peers that were getting excited about it, I was like, well, if they can do it and they're alongside me and we're training together and we're in this together, then like, that's, that's all I need. Um, and so as I was training, I kind of just like decided to shun any like notion that I wasn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I just, for some reason decided like, like I'm going to do this. And my A goal is a 242 and my B goal is a 243 and my C goal is a 244. Like I just, I didn't, I, I didn't have a plan of like, what if I don't make it? I was just like, I'm determined to do this because I, in the active marathon training, you just sacrifice so much like your personal life and, um, fun and staying up late. And, uh, so I was like, I, I really want to do this. And I, and I pretty sure I can do this and my workouts were going well. And so I really tried to like focus on that goal. Um, and I mean, it didn't make it any less scary, but I, I, I definitely, don't think I spent a lot of time second guessing myself mm-hmm. because um, I, I think I it was because I was with a, such a supportive group of women. Like Holly said, like we were really bringing out the best in one another and doing our work outside by side and encouraging each other. And there were other women on the team who were not going for it, but they were like, just t- telling me all the time, like, you're going to do this. And I'd be like, I don't know. And they'd be like, no, I know you are. And that really helped with my, um, with just be, being able to believe in myself. So yeah, it took a yeah. village, but it was really awesome. Yeah. Sometimes you need other people to believe in you before you can like truly believe in yourself. So mm-hmm. it seems like it was really special. And like, in some ways feels like it was yesterday that like, there was all this excitement around the trials and also like it was a hundred years ago. So I can't even imagine what it was like for you who actually lived it. Yeah. It, uh, it really does feel like a hundred years ago. It just feels like a different lifetime. Right. Um, but at the same time, like when I think back to like, Oh, the last time I went to a bar, 
Mm-hmm. It was the only, it was in Atlanta. Yeah. So at, it also feels like it's kind of like when when the world stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we sort of wrap up with some end of the podcast rapid fire questions, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about your relationship with running in like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what do you think it will look like? What do you hope it will look like? I mean, honestly, I would love to like still be on the Impalas and like for just, you know, very chill. Um, I love running and I want to like, when I'm tempted to push it too hard, I try to remind myself like, this, I want to be doing this for another 40 years. Um, and so I need to be doing things that are going to promote longevity of my running. Um, but I also want to try a lot of different things. Um, I want to, well, actually that's why I want to do like more trail running. I, I don't think I will ever do a triathlon. Um, (laughs) but I also want to like have, seasons where running is absolutely like not the most important thing in my life where it takes a big backseat and I um, am focused on totally other things like raising kids Mm. and getting pregnant and whatever like life throws at me. Um, I do really love San Francisco and I would love to like stay here. I love the running here. It's just the best. I love the community. Um, But I also try I want to hold things very loosely um because I know that if you like having a five-year plan I don't know what's going to come along I certainly you you could not have convinced me that 2020 was going to happen yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's no such thing as a five-year plan anymore I think for anyone it's mm -hmm. like just uh get through the day plan perhaps Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Maybe that's the best takeaway is like, I love the way you put it, like just hold things very loosely, like know what you love and move towards those things. But also if they, if other things come up and they seem more important, like that's okay too. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's, um, let's do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, okay. Favorite place for a long run in the Bay area. Uh, I really love this one run that we do in marathon training cycles where we will start in San Francisco and end at MH bread and butter in San Anselmo. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can make it anywhere from like 18 to 22 miles. And then you get somebody to drive you back or get an Uber. And it is truly fantastic. That sounds awesome. You go across the bridge then? Mm -hmm. So across the bridge through Sausalito, Mill Valley, everything and you end up there and you just stuck your face so good (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um if you could go on a long run with anyone they don't even have to be a runner who would it be uh probably michelle obama such a good answer Mm -hmm. yeah okay do you have a favorite race distance Uh, (laughs) probably the half marathon um okay finish the sentence when i'm not running you can find me Cooking. Cooking? I love cooking. I love cooking and baking. So that leads me to my next question, which was something I think I saw on your profile for the Olympic trials. But what is your key to making good granola? Oh, there's so many like tips and tricks. But um, 
you bake it at a low temperature over a longer period of time, you don't stir it at the end. Like when you, if you like it really clumpy, you just like take it out of the oven and you just let it cool completely. And then it just is like these giant delicious clusters. Another tip is if you put coconut in it, don't put the coconut in until like 10 minutes before it's done because it burns really quickly. Yeah. I, I could, I could write an essay on this I subject. We could publish a granola recipe with the show no, notes. We need that. I'm not, I'm not very precious about it. I've like, it's cobbled together from many different sources. So nice. I'm happy to share it. Um, okay. So when you're psyching yourself up for a workout or a race, what song are you playing? Uh, favorite is Blessed by Avicii. Nice. It's, it's, it slaps. Okay. On the Atlantic Trials website, you said that your favorite movie was The Sound of Music. Um, what is your favorite song from The Sound of Music? And in 30 seconds, you need to sell us on why that is the best movie in your opinion. Honestly, I think the first, the, the Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, like just thinking about it gives me full body chills. Um, <laughs> Because it is in the most beautiful place. It's just absolutely gorgeous in Swiss Alps. And Julie Andrews is amazing. And she's just, a, she's just wonderful. Um, and it is a wholesome movie and the songs are great. And the scenery is just gorgeous. And uh I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think of myself as a big musical person, mm -hmm. but um, there's something about it that just like, it's very comforting, um, but it's full of drama. And uh, I don't know. I, I just love that movie. Yeah. It's like, it's got a lot of nostalgic value for me. Mm -hmm. So, Have you been to the Swiss Alps? I have but it was in the middle of winter. So mm -hmm. I would love to go. Not the I green would... rolling hills of no. No. the hills are alive with the sound of music. No, but... no it was very cold. <laughs> but <laughs> I would love bucket list like is to do a running trip there. You got to do that. And then you got to go to the, the Von Trapp family has like a lodge somewhere back East, like the actual family from the movie. Um, yeah, I I don't know why. I think it's in like Vermont or maybe it's in Pennsylvania. Anyways, look it up. The Von Trapp family has a family lodge that you can go to um, and I think stay there. Um, mm -hmm. So I want to maybe do a run trip out there. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Do you remember the last time that you laughed really hard? I think probably, oh, I was laughing to myself today because I was looking at um, – I really love the, there's like a, this woman runs an Instagram account of like for Trader Joe's fans and I'm a huge Trader Joe's fan. And she, like me also absolutely hates bananas. And it's such a weird thing for me to hate because it's like the runner food yeah. that everybody just automatically loves. And when I tell people that I absolutely can't stand bananas, they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I did, but they are they're the worst. They're the worst. And so in this Instagram video, she buys Trader Joe's makes made this banana spread like a like jelly, but it's just bananas. And that sounds so disgusting. And she like puts it in her mouth and just like spits it out and is like, this is the worst thing I've ever, ever tasted. And I was just like thinking about myself and how 
much I would hate that. And I was like, just laughing, like all alone. It <laughs> should be working, but I was just, yeah. I was like, I feel that. I hate, hate bananas. I love bananas, but a banana spread actually does not sound good to me. Just to not sound good. Not no, banana, it doesn't like sound good. Concentrated bananas and sugar. Yeah, no. Yeah, see the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay without that. Okay, yeah. the last most important question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Uh, I would say burger. Mm. I love it, but veggie burger. I like mm. have a weird love for veggie burgers. I am a vegetarian. Um and burritos, I don't like so much because you like can't really see what I'm a very visual person. And when you take a bite of burrito, and you're like, oh, I don't know what's in here. Yeah. Um, and then pizza, dairy, and I don't have a great relationship. So, where's your go to for a veggie burger in San Francisco? Ooh, um, my top two I would I can think of off the top of my head are um, a joinery in Sausalito. So not San Francisco, but incredible impossible burger and trick dog in the mission makes one that tastes like a fast food burger mm. in like the best way. Um, it is, it is really, really, really good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie. It was such a pleasure chatting with you um, and hope to see you at a, a local race or on the trails or on the roads sometime soon. Thank you. Yes, this was really wonderful. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. You can find Lizzie on Instagram at lizzie.roundtree. You can also follow her on Strava. As always, you can find us at Runners of the Bay on Instagram and on Twitter. Send us an email, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we would be so grateful if you could leave a rating and review. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you soon.